lost an entire six hours of my day. Um, one minute I was holding my husband's finger and the next minute I was blinking half awake in the ICU saying that I was nauseous. I was nauseous when I woke up. Um, but then I blacked out again and then I was in my room. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I, I just like couldn't believe it. Welcome to the live your fuck yes life podcast. Your place for all things health, wellness, self-care, and real talk. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, health coach, actor, and badass extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought with some serious real talk to help you find your passion, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 you guys. Oh my fucking goodness. I feel like it has been so goddamn long since I talked to your faces and I am just so excited to be back for season two of the podcast and bringing you guys a whole new caliber of human for interviews and an entire new system and also just like some new vibes because 2019 y'all is like going to be the best year ever. And I just have missed you guys so much. I hope you guys had an amazing holiday season and have been getting back into, you know, your life and routine. Um, I know that it took me quite a journey, um, to do so myself. Um, and today is going to be you and me updating you on the, most intense experience I have ever had in my life and what I feel like all of season one was leading up to for me in my own personal life. Um, So if you're new to the podcast, hey, I'm Amanda and I am so freaking excited you're here and to share this space with you and my hope for all of our conversations together is that you feel like you're chatting with your soul human who tells it straight is your no BS soul sister, but also uh, is willing to be real and honest and messy because so often in the online world, um, and you probably can relate to this, um, I feel like we're surrounded by all of these people, but largely women, at least in my my personal space, um, who look like they are just these perfect humans, right? And that um, there's no mess uh, underneath the surface. And that's just not the case at all. (laughs) Um, We are all messy humans, right? Um, We just don't like to show it. We like to show the highlight reel. And I say, fuck that. Fuck the highlight reel. Um, Let's get down and dirty and talk about the things that really matter and talk about the things that nobody wants to talk about and nobody's willing to be vulnerable about. And that is why I started the podcast last year. And we've had so many amazing conversations and I am just so so thrilled to be back and to be talking to you guys today uh, about what I've been going through um, and get really fucking real for the first time and talk about it, rip off the band-aid and talk about the nitty gritty stuff. So if you are new around these parts, last year uh, in February, um, so we're basically like a year um, from this finding out, which is so crazy. The world works in mysterious, beautiful ways. Um, But I found out on February 6th, 2018, two days after my 27th birthday, that I was positive for the BRCA1 gene. Um, Now, if you are new 
to the pod and have not heard that story, I highly recommend going back to episode six and listening to it. I just did this, you guys, a couple of weeks ago, and it really gave me all the goosebumps because it was so cool to be able to like hear back in time what I was feeling uh, around finding out about the gene because it was a really, really big process. And you guys know I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, But BRCA1, for those of you who are new around these parts, um, is a gene that is passed down um, via your parents, one of your parents, um, and it is directly linked to mostly uh, breast and ovarian cancer, but there are also um, some links and for smaller percentages, but some links to pancreatic cancer, um, some links to skin cancer, all the above, but largely it is linked to breast and ovarian cancer. And this has been a whirlwind of a year for me um, from a, from a health standpoint, from a personal standpoint. And I decided to get a preventative double mastectomy, um, which is what I have been so lovingly calling <laughs> chopping off my tits. Um, and so December 3rd, 2018, I went in for surgery and I want to talk to you guys about that process. And I want to talk to you guys about what it was like heading into it and coming out of it because it really, really, really is something that I had no concept of. And whether this is something that you personally are navigating, um, I know I have a lot of breasties who listen to the podcast. Hey girls. Um, but if you're not, um, somebody who is directly linked to this or has, um, breast cancer as something in your life, um, I, encourage you to look at this through the lens of any trauma that you're going to be navigating because I essentially, uh, you know, chose to put my body into trauma, um, and, and and go through trauma, physical trauma, um, in order to, uh, you know, remove the chance of getting breast cancer for the rest of my life. Um, and I know that it can be really scary in your life to bump up against decisions and also like the actual iteration of whatever you've decided when they're scary, when they're riddled with unknowns and when you feel like you have no control over that. Maybe it's a relationship ending or a job, you know, you getting fired from your job or having to move unexpectedly or, um, You know, uh, you get into a car accident. I mean, there are so many things that um, that could happen, right? And that trauma um, is about. And this has been a whirlwind of a journey for me, and one that I have been posting about pretty openly on my Instagram, um, Amanda Catherine Loy. Um, So, if we're not friends over there, come say hey. Uh, I spend a lot of my time on Instagram. Um, I love it so goddamn much. Um, But I. I haven't really gone into the nitty gritty of it. So I want to walk you guys through my experience and, um, and just be real and, and, and honest as always. So this is going into some hard things. So I just want to preface this by saying, let's go along the ride together. Um, and if you have any questions about anything I share, you can always come into our, um, live your fuck yes life Facebook community. Um, and, um, and ask me away. I am such an open book and yeah. So here we go. What it actually feels like to have a double mastectomy at the age of 27. Crazy balls. So 
I went into my surgery uh, on December 3rd. And I will say that I had a, a little over, a little less, sorry, than a year um, to prep mentally for this and physically, I guess. Um, I decided about March that I wanted to go through with the surgery. Um, I knew that uh, surveillance was an option, but it didn't feel like an option for me. And it wasn't what I personally wanted to do. Um, And so I had a lot of time to (laughs) wait, I guess I would say. And at the time, I really thought that that time was going to be what I needed to be able to prep mentally. And December was like the right time to be able to do it, all this bullshit, Um, which really doesn't matter when it comes down to it, because there's never a right time to go through trauma. There's never a right time. Um, I was blessed that I was able to control the timing of it, um, you know, because uh, it was, like I said, preventative. Um, and so the timing was less important than for say, you know, something that was happening in time that you really needed to deal with in the moment and that you had no control over. So I was grateful for that, but I had no idea what the, um, what the other side was going to look like. And holy balls, was that giving me so much anxiety? I am like a, really, I like to know what's going to happen. I am the kind of person that is like a kind of control freak in that sense. And I just really, really, I own it. I own it. Like I love to be in control of my life and, um, to set myself up for success. And so everything that I did leading up to my surgery was doing that in the ways that I knew how, and I'm so grateful that I already had built up um, these tools in my toolbox, um, you know, and working um, on my my mindset and pouring into myself and getting really honest with myself, allowing myself to feel the feels, but also um, from a physical standpoint, really fueling my body um, with workouts that were going to help me on the other side, um, you know, be strong and have my recovery process be hopefully what I was hoping for, be less severe um, than if I hadn't been in shape and um, and physically fit. And also, um, you know, just really giving my body uh, and nourishing it um, from the inside out with amazing foods and having systems in place that I knew were going to support me um, in my needs. And I just really did the work. Um, I did a lot of uh, work on myself. And I believe that that is the only way I was able to quell my anxiety because let me tell you, it was still present and I was still having breakdowns um, because it's really scary. Um, It's really scary to face something head on that, you know, is something you've never done before. And, um, you know, I'd never gone under before. Um, I was terrified about that process. And I never had major surgery before, um, which I'm so blessed that I never had to do that. Um, But I didn't know what the other side was going to look like. And I have a long history of really disordered relationship with myself. Um, I guess I would say like a body dysmorphia was and and still is because I think it's something that you never really fully grow out of. but it's something that I struggled with hardcore um, for 15 years of my life. And I, the past couple of years, finally felt like I could look in the mirror and just celebrate every 
inch of my body, cellulite, roll, dimple, every curve, every part of me. I was like, okay, I feel so good about who I am and the skin I'm in. And I just, it's all about how I feel. But I was so terrified that on the other side, I was going to have all of those feelings of body dysmorphia come back because if I'm completely honest, which I always am, I didn't want to get this surgery. Like I would never have chosen, I would have never chosen to go through with this if it weren't for me having this gene. Um, And this is very different than like, you know, (laughs) getting implants. It's not that. And yes, I do have implants and we'll talk about that, but it is not like getting a boob job. (laughs) This is literally a very different process, but I never wanted you know, anything but my body to be mine. I, I'm not, you know, and, and that's not to say that that's not an amazing thing if that's what feels good for you. But like, I just never wanted, you know, I never any, any inclination to, you know, get a boob job or uh, Botox or insert anything that was not real or my own um, into my body um, other than my IUD. <laughs> Damn I, but you know, it's real. Um, and so I really, really, really struggled with that concept and was worried that I would wake up and my body was going to look like fucking Frankenstein and that I was going to really, really hate the woman in the mirror again and go back to the 12-year-old girl that used to stare at herself in the mirror and wonder why she couldn't be more beautiful and... um and feel better about herself and in her own skin. And I was terrified, so terrified that that was going to come back. Um, And I was also really, really scared that I was just going to have all this anxiety around sex and around being intimate, Um, which, because, you know, like I was not going to have any feeling in my boobs, which is something that happens when you have this surgery there is a small percentage of your feeling potential to come back, but the likelihood of that happening is very low and certainly not at first. And um, not only are you on bed rest for, you know, uh, weeks after the surgery, um, but once you sort of start getting back into normalcy, I guess I'll say, um, it's different your body moves differently. Um, the way that you're used to feeling and sleeping and having sex and all these things are different. And I was really, really worried that was going to really put me in my head. And, um, and that sex was going to be, uh, a really challenging thing. You guys know, I told you I was going to be real. I'm talking about sex on here, right? Like it's, it's really, uh, something that I was terrified about because I had gotten to a really great place, um, in my sexuality and just feeling really confident and amazing in my own skin and knew what I liked. And all of a sudden, um, this part of me that has been a part of that process went away. Um, so I was terrified (laughs) just to say the least. I had no idea what to expect. Um, and honestly, when I, when I looked around and on the internet, um, and spoke to some of my, um, fellow women that I, I know who are in my breasties, who I know, um, have gone through this, you know, I was like, what am I going to expect? Because I just needed some answers. Right. And I just came up so short. 
uh, you know, I, I love the women that I um, ha- have been so open with me about their experience, but we're all so different. And, and honestly, um, I didn't really have that much information. And when I looked online, there was like nothing about what it actually feels like to go through the process. And so I'm going to share my story in hopes that if you're also searching frantically around on the internet, you can um, you can listen to this and feel less scared shitless or a little less alone. Um, or maybe you're just one of my amazing supporters and you always just want to hear what's going on in my life. And this has been my life for the past, I mean, year, but especially the last seven weeks. Um, uh, and so here goes. So I... I, like I said, this is going to be super honest and not PG. Um, and this is also my personal experience. So remember that, um, everyone has a different story. Um, and if you are thinking about taking action, uh, because you're a BRCA positive, um, there are amazing support groups that I would love to plug you into, um, or talk to you more about, um, how I can personally support you on the journey, because that for me was a super, super important step. Okay. So first of all, I want to talk to you guys about what exactly I I went through. So what exactly was the surgery? So a preventative double mastectomy um, can happen a a few ways. So um, I was a candidate for what is called a direct to implant surgery, which means that it is a one-step procedure that happens all in the span of the same surgery. So I only have to go under once. And um, while the breast surgeon is removing all of the tissue from my breast, um, she then moved, she then moved over to my other breast while my plastic surgeon in tandem worked with her to, um, place the implant and make sure that everything was set up good. Well, so, um, this is called direct to implant or DTI is how I like to refer to. Um, and I was a candidate for this for two reasons, according to my surgeon. So one, I am healthy and in shape and young. And two, I was not looking to go up a size in my cup size for my boobs. So I was really adamant about just having my boobs look like my boobs. <laughs> um, like I didn't really care about the cosmetic side of things. I didn't really want them to look any bigger. Um, and so that was a big reason for that. The other way that, um, this particular surgery is often done and how I've seen it done, I would say more often than not is through a two-step procedure where, um, for the first surgery, uh, you would go under and, um, the breast surgeon would remove all of your tissue and then place what's called expanders into your like socket, I guess, (laughs) like your breast, uh, skin. Um, and then, um, the expanders help stretch out the tissue, um, to be able to give room for your implants to come in. Um, so whether you want to go up a size or maybe your skin, um, it's just, and your surgeon just feels better about doing that. It's kind of a surgeon's preference thing too. Um, but I personally went through a direct to implant situation. Um, and I also, decided to go over the muscle with my implant. So that is another decision you have to make. There's all the fucking decisions, you guys. It's kind of overwhelming, especially if you don't have support or know where to go or look at. Um, But over the muscle um, essentially is in reference to where the implant is placed. So it's a newer way of going about things. And, um, I would say like in the last year, it's becoming more popular, um, than under the muscle. Um, my surgeon was 
definitely more comfortable with the under the muscle route. Um, and he pushed me towards that way, but also said that he would support whatever decision I made. And I did a lot of research on this and I spoke to a lot of, um, women who have gone through the surgery before and had done under. And I knew that in my gut that over the muscle was the right decision for me. Um, so I really advocated for that and I'm really, really glad with the results. So Again, you can go over or under the muscle, and it's essentially like just where the implant is placed. Um, so under the muscle, you're like doing more trauma to your actual muscles, right? Because you have to go under them in order to place the implant. So the recovery process tends to be a little bit longer, um, but cosmetically speaking, because the implant is not right up against your skin, um, it tends to look more, quote, natural, um, whatever the fuck that even means. Um, and over the muscle is like what I said over it. So you're not, you're doing less trauma to your muscles, um, which means recovery tends to be a little bit less, um, long. So it's a little bit shorter. And also, um, for women who are active like myself, um, it really allows, um, us to be able to not lose as much function an ability from a range of motion standpoint and a strength standpoint. And that was really important to me. Um, and so I knew that I was risking the potential for, uh, cosmetically not being as happy with my results. Um, and mostly when I say that, I just mean like there would be some rippling that you might see from the implants, but I knew that, um, function was more important than looks and always is in my life. (laughs) Um, so For me, that's why I went with that decision. So anyways, the surgery day itself uh, was extremely challenging. My mom, and scary, (laughs) my mom flew down the day before um, and was here for 10 days. um, And my husband also had three weeks off of work. um, And so that was amazing um, because we just, (laughs) I really needed help, honestly. Like this is just something that you you need support with. And the day itself, uh, it was really scary. I mean, I did everything I could think of to prep. I had all of the necessities that I felt like I needed, right? I brought my old stuffed animal that I got, like, when my husband and I first started dating. Um, I had, like, my underarm pillows that I knew were going to help, you know, in the process. I brought my own pillow. Thank you. Shout out to my girl, Cecily, um, who is one of my nurse followers who shouted out and said that I should bring my own pillow. You saved my life. (laughs) Um, And it was really scary. Um, the day of I arrived around nine o'clock in the morning. Um, my surgery wasn't scheduled to start till 10 30 AM. Um, and you're not allowed to eat anything after midnight the night before. Um, which if you know me, I love to eat. So I was really worried about not having breakfast, especially cause I normally have two breakfasts. Um, but the day of my nerves were so high that I honestly, I had no appetite. Um, you also have to, <laughs> you also have to wash yourself the night before. If you've ever had surgery, you know, what this is, it's with this gnarly ass. It's like a magenta colored wash, which is called Hybeclens. And you have to wash yourself. It's like sterilize your body basically. Um, the night before and the morning of surgery, um, with this magenta pink, disgusting thing. So that was the most thrilling thing. And I did not expect that. Um, But yeah, morning time, I got up and I took some time for me to journal. I did a little light yoga, which helped 
really helped with my anxiety. I took a long shower and washed my hair, which was going to be key because I knew I wasn't going to be able to wash my hair for a while. Um, and yeah, wash myself. And then I had to also drink some pre-surgery apple juice, um, just to like get the sugars in my body, um, to help with the anesthesia stuff. And then I headed to the hospital. Um, when I got there, I registered, got set up in a private room to do all of my pre-surgery vitals and get my IV administered. And I also had to like pat down my whole body with these cold wipes before putting my, my gown on. I think it was another, uh, like, uh, way to make your body more less prone to in fact I don't know it was funny and it was super sexy let me tell you um and then my doctors came in chatted with me and my sports squad and before I knew it I was given my sleepy cocktail for my anesthesiologist um which let me tell you I have some hilarious raw footage I will post it in our podcast <laughs> life community the day that this episode airs uh, because you guys are gonna die it's so funny like I thought that uh, my body was a bowling ball and the bed rails, um, of my, of like, <laughs> of my like bed that was, that was moving to surgery were bumper cars. So yeah, I was really killing it anyways. Um, whisked away to surgery and then I blacked out. Like I, I don't even remember, honestly, I don't remember saying the things about the bowling ball because I was like out. Um, the only reason I, I know that it happened is cause it's on camera. Um, but yeah, I, lost an entire six hours of my day. Um, one minute I was holding my husband's finger and the next minute I was blinking half awake in the ICU saying that I was nauseous. I was nauseous when I woke up. Um, but then I blacked out again and then I was in my room. Um, (laughs) and, uh, I, I just like couldn't believe it. And I woke up you guys and I was sure that I was going to wake up to, feeling so much pain and just being, oh, so uncomfortable. And they always ask you in the hospital, like to rate your pain on a scale of one to 10. And I woke up and honestly, I was at a two and I was not on any narcotics. You guys, the entire process, I was on no narcotics. I was on, um, they had given me, a like a nerve blocker, um, right before the surgery, which is a new, um, system that they're testing out, um, to really just help settle your nerves. And, my surgeon actually told me later on that the reason it worked so well for me and that I didn't need narcotics is because I had been doing a lot, especially in the fall leading up to my surgery, I had been doing a lot of upper body strength workouts. And because I had so much really strong muscle in my chest, the nerve blockers take better when there's more muscle there. So that was a fun fact that I didn't know. Um, and my pain levels were just super low. Um, I wasn't really allowed to eat that night. Um, I had like broth and a popsicle, which let me tell you, tasted better than anything I've ever eaten in my life. Um, and they just made sure that I was there overnight just to watch me and make sure that everything was good. Um, and yeah, my team was incredible. Um, I loved, 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 um, the team that I worked with in Chicago. Um, so if you're in Chicago and considering getting the surgery, um, or just need an amazing hospital to go to, (laughs) uh, shoot me a message and I will let you know where I was. Um, in terms of post-op, um, I have to say you guys, Leading up, I was expecting so many awful things, but honestly, it was way less taxing than I anticipated. Um, the unknown and fears like that were constantly in my brain heading into surgery, I think were harder than anything 
post-surgery. And that has been the biggest surprise of it all. Um, I mean, the first night I was up and about going for walks and I wanted to like dance down the hallways. And yes, I was feeling swollen. And yes, I was obviously like taking it very, very easy. But, you know, I felt pretty normal um, come, you know, waking up a few hours after waking up. So um, I got the go ahead from my doctors that everything was looking good. And the next day I got discharged from the hospital. So I was really in the hospital for just a little over 24 hours, which was way less long than I expected for a major invasive surgery. Um, I was a bit sore. So that was like my biggest feeling, almost like I'd done a really intense workout the day before. Um, my shoulders and back and chest were taking the brunt of it. Obviously that's where all the trauma was happening, but also I was laying on a, you know, a a surgery bed for uh, a six hour process. So that probably in and of itself did not help the muscles in my back either. Um, And uh, two days after I was home, I was able to have my first shower, which was seriously the best feeling in the whole wide world. Um, I did have drains in my body for nine days, which For those of you who do not know what they are, they basically are these like, they insert into your um, chest somewhere. So mine were along kind of like my bra line, kind of underneath my underarm. And it's just to help with the fluid draining. Um, Because again, your body is like going to be creating a lot of that um, to help with the process of healing. So that was... um, that was probably the worst part of it all was having those in. Um, showering with them was a process. I like is I had to attach them to a lanyard um, and had help showering. So again, I was not able to shower on my own. And having my husband there every day to do that was, oh my gosh, he gets so many gold stars. Um, I also saw myself for the first time since before surgery uh, three days out. So like I had been pretty much wrapped in um, special bras and some gauze and stuff just to like keep it all in there. Um, but when I went to shower, I, I looked and I was really scared. You guys, I was so scared. Um, but I did, and I was expecting to look like Frankenstein and I was so shocked at how good they looked just two days out. I mean, they were definitely swollen and puffy, but it was way better than I anticipated. Um, and all I could think of was how proud I was of myself um, and how relieved I was to have this behind me. That was the biggest thing, honestly, um, that I didn't expect was to wake up and feel this immediate sense of relief. You know, I don't have a mom or a dad that has passed away because of this gene. My grandmother did, um, but I never met her. And while I'm so connected to her from my dad, um, you know, I, I don't have that visceral like need to be able to do this and, and that worry. Right. I mean, it's always been in the back of my mind, but I don't think I really, really, really acknowledged to myself how much it was impacting me until I was on the other side of it uh, because I just had such a breakdown in the hospital to my mom about it and how I just didn't expect to feel so much relief, like so much relief to be on the other side and know that I never have to worry about breast cancer <laughs> and that that's been this thing that's been hold, like held over my head for the longest time. Um, it was just that was the biggest thing that I didn't expect 
Um, and yeah, the rest of the post off experience, you guys, was pretty boring. Um, I watched a shit ton of Game of Thrones, which I had never seen before. So I am like almost caught up, you guys. <laughs> um, and I napped a lot. Um, I hung out with my family and my support system. I rested a bunch and I was super, super mindful um, of it all. And yeah, here I am. Um, you know, I, by the time you're, you're listening to this. I am two months post-op and it's been amazing. It's been amazing to just see how the body is so capable of so much. And when you pour into yourself and do all of the positive mindset work and, um, and set yourself up physically for success, um, to go through something so traumatic to your body, how quickly we can bounce back it's been such a lesson of surrender and trust and patience um, and just so much pride and belief. Um, like I feel motherfucking invincible right now um, because I, after three weeks, I got the go ahead for my doctor to just pretty much 80% go back to my life. And, um, you know, I, after five weeks, I started working out every day again and was able to do that um, really, really amazingly. And just like to feel like this is always going to be part of my story, but uh, that it really just is a blip on my radar. Um, is so amazing. And I know for, I know for so, for like a fact that it is only because of the work that I have done on myself and, um, the support systems that I have in place, um, with my coaches, with my, with my, um, community and, um, with my family and friends that have gotten me here. But above all, it's, it's my own belief and my own willingness to do the work. And, that's, oh, that's, that's my experience. That's what it's really like to have a motherfucking preventative double mastectomy at the age of 27. Um, I hope that this has been an empowering thing for you to hear, whether this is something you're going through or not. Um, trauma is hard and anxiety inducing. And so often we can feel compelled to hold it in and just show up for our life, uh, you know, and, and not really, not really do the work and not allow ourselves to feel the feels attached to it. And the best thing you can do if you are going through something challenging is to do just that is to give yourself the space and compassion to experience it all, you know, set yourself up with a positive support system and, you know, find the people that are going to help you really rise up, you know, get a workout uh, program and system in place for you to be able to get through, you know, if, especially if it's, it's like a surgery or really anything. I mean, it's so helpful for anxiety. Seriously. I feel like more than anything, it was helpful for anxiety, um, you know, and support yourself with, with positive mindsets um, and have a space to be able to do that. You know, it's so, 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 so key, but also on the flip side, allow yourself the space to grieve, um, to cry, to express your emotions, to journal, to do whatever you need to do to let it out. You need to have both sides. Um, you cannot have one without the other. And when we, when we go so far in the direction of only having one, that is when we find ourselves 
in a really deep, dark circle that we can't get out of. And that has been my personal experience. Um, and I am just so grateful for, uh, for my support system and for my, my coaches who just really helped me get through this. And that's why I am so passionate about doing the same, um, and helping other women be able to really, really embark on their own journey in this way. So, there you have it, you guys. That is my double mastectomy story. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to dive into this season. And um, we are going to be every week popping in on Thursdays. Um, so make sure you are subscribed. And um, if you haven't already left a review, that would mean the world to me. Um, it just really helps with um, getting the podcast in front of more eyeballs, which you guys, there are so many podcasts on the planet and I get that. I get that you're probably inundated with that. Um, but there are not many that are so honest and, and tell it as it is. And if there's one thing I know that is a strength of mine, it's being real as fuck and transparent. And I know how many of you, this podcast has helped and these conversations that we're going to be having and have already had in season one are so, so impactful. And I just, want so many amazing women to be able to get these in front of their earbuds. So it would mean the absolute world to me if you could subscribe and, um, and leave, leave a review rating. Um, and yeah, until next week, I will see you guys on the flip side, get ready for some seriously amazing combos and so much love. And until then I will see you on the interwebs. Bye-bye.